Welcome in to the best in true crime podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. I'm excited for today's show, folks. Here's the deal. When we first started True Crime Tuesday 11 years ago, I had to think about this. 2013 is when we started True Crime Tuesday. Uh, We started it with this goal in mind. We started it with the idea that we could take the supernatural and paranormal. We could try to mix it with true crime, and we could bring both aspects of Darkness Radio and True Crime Tuesday and combine those and bring them to you. Unfortunately, not every crime has a supernatural prospect to it that we can bring them to the forefront. There's a book that was brought to my attention, though, by a good friend of ours, Megan Beatty, and who is a publicist who brings us excellent, excellent authors. This author I'm bringing you today has, I think, probably the book of the year. It's, it's, it's a short year already. We're only in February. But uh, this book is amazing. It's called Almost Surely Dead. And we're going to talk about it in depth. And I want, to, uh, I want to bring her in right away today because we have a lot to talk about. Um, Amina Akhtar is a novelist and former fashion editor. Her satirical first novel, Hashtag Fashion Victim, drew critical acclaim. Kismet, her second book, was set in the stunning and creepy world of wellness, which <laughs> for me, being a diabetic, wellness is creepy as it is. Um, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a wellness joke. Uh, Akhtar has worked at Vogue, Elle, the New York Times, and New York Magazine, where she was the founding editor of the women's blog, The Cut. She currently lives not too far from the Sedona Vortices. We're going to get some interesting conversation here today. Almost Surely Dead is Akhtar's third novel, and there's a very famous person screaming to the rooftops about this novel. I don't blame her. Mindy Kaling is talking about this to anybody who will listen. Well, I listened because I heard about it. Megan was screaming to me about this novel as well. And she said, you've got to read this. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I got to read this. I read this and I was hooked, folks. And you got to read this as well. Almost surely dead. Let's welcome in now to True Crime Tuesday, Amina Akhtar. Amina, thank you so much for being with us. Dennis, thank you. What an introduction. I'll let you call me. I'm going to go. I'm going to record that part where you said book of the year. It is <laughs> book of the year. But please listen to it whenever I feel bad. Like, please call, me Tim, call me Tim. Don't call me Dennis. Call me Tim. Oh, I'm sorry. Only Tim. my football coaches called me Dennis. Oh, yeah. my bad. That's OK. That's OK. But we're <laughs> off to let me tell you this. It is book. It's got to be book of the year. This thing is inventive. It's amazing. It's got twists. It's got turns. And you'll never see the ending coming. I'll tell people that right I now. I can't disagree, but I think I'm biased. <laughs> so. You shouldn't be biased. You shouldn't be biased. What's, what's now? Okay. So I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to ask you this. What is it now? And we were talking a little bit about it before we, we got on air today. What is it about? you wanting to combine supernatural elements into true crime because a lot of people, and especially authors, when you talk about trying to throw supernatural elements in there or paranormal elements into a book, the first thing book publishers will do will go, mm, I don't know, really paranormal? You really want to go down on that? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. That's a pretty niche 
you know, market you're going for. You sure you want to do that? Because I don't know. I don't know that that's really going to sell well. Did that make you nervous to want to tackle that? Maybe a little bit. But I also think that some of the surprise book hits that we've had in general and, you know, in culture have been books that publishers were iffy about. You know, I think mm-hmm. we're having a moment where our genre is blending. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I generally walk the line between thrillers and horror. I don't go full horror yet, um, but, you know, that remains to be seen. I think that horror also is having a moment. And so, you know, seeing um, seeing what some other authors are doing, it's like, you know what, like Aaron Adams and, and you know, she wrote Jackal. And I was like, this, this is what I want to be doing. I want to talk about culture and I want to talk about, you know, the, the, the folklore that I grew up with because I never get to see that in books. I never have. Yeah. Um, and these were the you know, stories that I, you know, much like Dunya in my book, my father would tell me these stories all the time. And so it, they're a huge part of our life, but most Americans don't know that much about this topic. And, um, and, and then that is, we're talking about gin, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, people consider it like the, the, that Middle Eastern spiritual thing that people don't quite understand and uh, which isn't quite correct. And we grew up knowing about gin. We grew up hearing our family history with gin. Um, you know, I think if you talk to anyone in my family, if gin are real, they're going to say, absolutely. So for me, I wanted to bring that to the American audience. Um, you know, because there are there are stories, tales of gin out there, but not that many are written by people who come from these cultures. So I thought, well, let me let me try to tell my story and see, you know, if, if it gets hold. And if somebody t- reads it and is into it and is interested and in turn talks about their stories and their mythology, then great. You know, that's awesome. I think you're you're uh, you're going to be in for a little bit of a surprise with our audience in that we've been we've been exposed to the gin. We, we've we've had mm-hmm. stories of the gin, but we've we haven't had it from someone who's grown up in the culture, which is good. We're, we're in for a little bit of a treat today. We have had Rosemary <laughs> Ellen Guiley on in the past. We've had some other uh, authorities in the paranormal who have come on and told the stories of the gin, but it's always been from a, a, a third a third party, a third resource from the outside looking in, who's been able to talk to people from the culture, who've been able to kind of regale them with tales. But but again, it's that trying to get that understanding yeah. of from the outside looking in and trying to understand what it is. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you coming as a, you know, I I call them in in Desi culture, um, we're the ABCDs, like the American born confused ones, right? Confused Desis. Mm -hmm. So we're very Americanized. Um, So even as I was writing this and I was like, I had our stories, but I didn't have, um, like the academic background on it, you know? So I started reading as many books about gin as possible because everyone's stories are going to be different. But I didn't want to have something that was so outlandishly not a thing, you know? Um, And I learned so much more about gin than I had ever thought was possible. Like, for instance, um, there are some scholars who believe that the the fae are actually a type of gin um, and that gin are a worldwide phenomenon, not, you know, not in South, just South Asia and Africa and Middle East. Um, and they predate the Abrahamic religions. And there have been stories of Jewish gin and other 
you know, religions that they follow because they have free will and they can choose to worship as they like. Um, so I just found a lot of this stuff really, really interesting as I was um, writing it because it was like, you know, Jin might just be a word we're using to describe entities that are all around us in every culture. So I, I just find the whole concept to be, you know, something that, that makes me very excited. What I found interesting about about this book again almost surely that is the name of the book is that you've assigned not only a character name but a character to the jinn which a lot a lot of time our understanding of it from the show is that the jinn are given a group name the jinn are giving given a faceless mass almost just a faceless shiftless mass type group name almost like we we address poltergeist or ghost or right you know it, it's a it's a group not a singular not a you know it's not addressed by a name it's not like the spirit of grandpa or you know you're not given a name but we actually have a character here we have a name we have a face i won't go into any spoilers or anything there are um i mean there are when you when you go when i was diving into the research there are named jinn jinn you know they they really it's it, the research I was doing, I didn't see that it was like this faceless concept. It was more like this shrine has this particular gin and their name is this, this, and this, and this is what they do. Um, or, you know, I would talk to my dad and he would tell me about the two gin that grew up in his house or were in his house when he was growing up. So there's always very, it was a very singular concept to me mm -hmm. because of the stories I was told. So I was always like, it's, it's almost like, um, a distant cousin, you know, for oh. me. That's how I see them. So why is it, Amina, why is it that in the Western world, we don't hear more stories of, of these? Yeah, I mean, we have popular ghost stories. You know, the whole Ichabod Crane headless horseman thing. Sure. Or, you know, we, we hear these legends and lores of, of, of different ghosts. How come we don't hear more legend and lore of of? Middle Eastern gin or, or individual stories of, of individual gin? I mean, we had, you know, Thousand and One Arabian Nights, right? Sure. <laughs> so those are some sure. stories. Yeah. But I think part of it is also it's, um, you're talking about cultures that are very insular and maybe wouldn't want to tell these stories to outsiders. Okay. Um, and also knowing, you know, that there is a tie to Islam, I think that there is always a hesitancy in the american market to you know dive much further because it's you know they don't want people don't want to go there and you know i hopefully that's changing hopefully people are just more curious you know and i hope this book does make people a little more curious um you know and i that to me would be the most amazing end goal for this is that if more people wanted to learn about different cultures you know, I, I get the feeling or I get the, the idea that I think people are going to want to know. I Especially, man, I can't imagine that, that this book isn't going to take off and do gangbusters. I, I really can't imagine that it, it, it won't, this won't be Listen, the, the case. You're from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> so make that happen. And, and that people aren't going to want to know that, that, more about this phenomena you know i mean i would say that majority that if you're looking at percentage-wise of population in the world the population that believes in gin is probably much larger than the population that doesn't know about them um i think it's just about maybe 
maybe not looking to American pop culture and references for some of these stories. It's sort of like how Korean um, horror started to, to come up and people were realizing, oh my God, you know, in like the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. But it takes a momentous moment for people to be like, okay, we're seeing these stories. Yes, let's do it. Like I, there's another Jin book that just came out, which I have and I haven't read it yet, by Shubnam Khan. And I'm so excited to read it. I think it's going to be more fantasy Mm -hmm. England, I think I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay, but I love that people are writing about it. And I love that they're bringing it to the wider American Western audience. Um, if people want to talk to about Jen with me, I'm happy to. <laughs> I'm happy to tell our stories, you know, and, and, and see where it goes. I think the other part of it too, that the Western world doesn't understand is what exactly is the threat behind the gin. That's the thing that that the well, there isn't always a threat. It's that, you know, they are beings with free will. Okay. So they can be as good or as evil as they want to be. Um, and it's sort of like people, you know, like people are evil, people are good. It just, it's whatever you, you choose to do. Um, and so it's not so easy to say, like in Christian mythology, where you can say angels are good and demons are bad. You can't really say that about Jen because that's, they're complicated. They're a lot like humans in that respect. Um, and they, in, from what I have understood, they study a lot with humans to learn about the world. Okay. Um, and they, and some of the older gods that we, you know, that, that predated the Abrahamic religions, it's very possible those are jinn, you know, and not actual gods. So it's really interesting to start realizing, oh, there's so many different layers to what jinn could actually be. Um, and then, like, there were things learning about it, like ghouls. Ghouls, we all know that word. Sure. That's a type of jinn. That is a type of gin. That's what where it comes from. Hmm. All right. So you, there are little things that have crept into pop culture. Genies, you know, genies are gin. Yeah. So this is so these little little tidbits have gotten into our pop culture in the Western world. So it, it is making its way here. Um, it just depends on what 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 part of it people are going to pick up. The one th and again, I'm trying, I'm trying not to get into spoilers with this book, but the one thing about your Jin is that he is, he is one of those, you talk about good, you talk about bad. He is one of those bad. And it, good. he has moments. He has, you know, he has his moments. Uh, he has moments. True. I feel like everyone in my books is always, you know, I most people, I love writing bad people. Mm -hmm. I love writing like bad or entities, whatever. I find good people to be terribly boring as a character because nothing would happen. So I like really bad people. Um, it just makes writing more fun. He, you know, my view on him is he, he really, he, uh, without giving spoilers, he sure. wants what he wants and he wants what he's owed. And whether that destroys lives, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Pretty. It's uh, hard to not do spoilers. <laughs> I know, right? It is. And, and, and in the beginning of the book, I mean, I recognize it from having known the phenomena, but you just, you see that wisp of smoke and you know that wisp of smoke and you go, oh, here comes trouble, right? And mm -hmm. and, and you know right away something bad's going to happen. Something's happened. And meanwhile, something bad had happened right before, and this is not a spoiler. The, fir the first chapter, the main character, Dunia, um, almost gets pushed in front of a New York subway. And the man who tries to push her ends up jumping and kills himself. And she has no idea what just happened. I mean, she has a boring life. She's a pharmacist, 
shout out to pharmacists. We love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I said my sister, my sister's a pharmacist, so I always, you know, I know the last few years have been rough on them. So I'm just wanted to have a character yeah. who is kind of in that in that mode, right? Um, and her life starts to unravel. You know, she starts being attacked, and she doesn't know by people. Um, and she has no idea why she hasn't done anything. She has, you know, her mom has just died. Her fiance had dumped her for grieving too much and she's sleepwalking. And it's in the sleepwalking. We start to see that maybe not everything is, is the, is normal as it should be. And that came from the fact that I sleepwalk a lot. I'm I'm an avid sleepwalker to this day. Um, Never invite me to sleep over. It will get weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, God knows where I end up. Um, And, for a while, I had a haunting that is where the kernel for Dunya began. I had an actual haunting in my apartment. Um, and it was like my dog starts freaking out and pinning her ears back, you know, the thing the dogs are scared. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Every single night I was sleepwalking, much like my main character. Mm-hmm. And like her, I would run into, I would wake up in the living room or inside my closet trying to find a being that shouldn't be there. There's something alive in my room that sh- my apartment shouldn't have been there. And this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was just like, am I haunted? Is this real? Am I losing my mind? Like what, what, you know, there's all these, I think because of movies, we think if you're haunted, it's going to be really obvious and it's going to be poltergeist and chairs flying around the kitchen. That's not what happens. It's sort of like weird things happen and you question your insanity. You know? yeah. So that's what I wanted my character to do because that's how it worked for me. I was like, I'm going crazy. I have a closet monster. Like what, what is going on here? Wow. And this was maybe 10 years ago. This was not like when I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> this was, you know, and this was my, right before I left New York. And I, um, being in the fashion industry back then, Every time you go out with a publicist, you know, which a lot, you have to go out, you have to schmooze a lot, right? Yep. They would bring a, um, a, a psychic or a medium or a tarot card reader just for fun. Like it was like always. So I had gone to dinner with this guy. I still to this day don't know what he did. All right. He, he called it energetic feng shui. I don't know what that means. Okay. I can't explain it to you because having witnessed it, I still don't know what it is. Okay. Okay. And so, and so six months prior to this haunting, we'd had this dinner, a one-off, no big deal. Mm -hmm. As this haunting is coming, happening, I get to my office and my phone rings and it's an unknown number, but I answered it. And he's like, you don't remember me. I went to dinner with you like six months ago. My spirit guides are telling me that there is something in your apartment and I have to get in there right now. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? I'm not going crazy. This is actually happening. So this man came and, you know, he found that this thing wasn't coming through my, the apartment bathroom, the vents. And it was some kind of demon attached to a woman on another floor. And it was wild because the night before he came, I had this dream that if I went to my bathroom, closed the door and took a picture with the flash on in the dark in the mirror, I would see it behind me. Really? I didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't do that because you know why? That's how you die in the horror movie. And I was like, I'm not taking a picture of this thing. I have no, 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 no. But I was like, it's coming from the bathroom. Okay, okay, wild. So that was the precursor of of the moment I I realized Dunya was going to be something because that story was so wild. Mm -hmm. You know, it was so, it's to this day, I can't explain away what happened. Um, And the things that that man was doing and the messages he was getting, he had messages from my dead mother hidden in books. And I was like, it was wild. 
And I was always a believer, but I was always also a bit skeptic, you know, yeah, like I know there are yeah. things out there, but I'm, I haven't witnessed it. So I'm skeptic. Right. And I was a lot less skeptic after that. <laughs> it's wow. like, you know what? This was a weird thing that happened in my life. I don't understand it, but maybe we're, it's not meant to be understood. Maybe it's meant to be inspiration, you know? Yeah. Well, and you took that inspiration. You ran with it. I, 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 I applaud you for that. That's for sure. I try. <laughs> Let's talk about Dunia for a minute. Dunia Ahmed is the the main character in this book. You've already started to map out a little bit of, of what she's doing in this whole thing. Like you said, she's she she opens this book by nearly being thrown onto the train tracks by this this attacker, uh, who then in a moment of I don't know that he becomes lucid at the the end of this thing, but he realizes he's been taken over. In, in a moment, or has he been? That's the question, uh, because we start to find out some things about him. Uh, but mm -hmm. in this one moment, realizes that he has to end his own life and throws himself onto the train tracks after he ends up. And, and that's something that it gets repeated um, yeah. with different attackers. Um, <clears throat> it was almost like the djinn is protecting her, but perhaps for selfish reasons, you know, it's not an altruistic, I will protect you. I'm a guardian angel situation. And it's more like, no, that's mine. <laughs> I'm taking that. You can't touch it. That's right. my toy, you know? Um, so that was, it, it's also to me, I thought it was interesting to explore, like, what if you, you, no one believes you're haunted and you don't even believe you're haunted. Like it yeah. doesn't even come up into your, you know, your, your worldview that it could possibly happen. And then, everyone you're interacting with well how do you know that they're crazy maybe they're haunted maybe there's something going on there you know so that was sort of where i was working my brain was going with these with these characters well there's something interesting in a cultural sense too that you tackle uh, and you and you jump back and forth from the time where dunia is five years old in in dealing with her family and dealing with um you slowly she's estranged to... she was estranged from her mom and her culture yeah uh, um and the five-year-old chapters explain what have happened like all we know and all she mentions in passing is her father died while she when she was five mm -hmm. what and and she always felt her family blamed her for you know she's five he had like a heart issue and it had nothing to do with her but as you're reading you start to wonder well did it have something to do with her and a lot of it, you know, I wanted to kind of tell that immigrant kid story without being the namesake because, you know, the namesake is already written. Uh, you know, how many how many versions could you do? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to sort of be like that moment where I think most of us have, you know, immigrant or, or not, where if you're lucky to have good parents, you know, this is not a blanket statement for everyone, obviously. You, you have a moment when you're an adult where you're like, oh my God, they were right. <laughs> Whatever it was, they were right about something. And it's kind of a horrifying moment because then you think back, oh, I was a jerk about that. You know, and you feel terrible, but you know, you're like, oh no, they were totally right. And I sort of wanted her to get to that moment um, of maybe feeling that way about her mom or giving her mom a little bit of grace yeah. because, you know, her parents were, were humans. They're just people trying to deal with a situation and um, that they didn't know how to deal with. So I'm hoping that people will see that relationship redemption arc a bit. Um, and, and yeah, you know, hopefully it speaks to people, you know, beyond the culture. Um, because I think it can be hard when you are coming from, you know, 
there's a history for for Pakistani and Indian people who are here is that we were some of the first kids born here who were, who were Desi because the visas were opened up in like the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So my dad came here in the 60s. There's like, you know, there's people maybe 10 years older than me who were born here, but not much older than that. And we were some of the first South Asians that people had seen. Okay. Period. Yep. You know, in schools, the teachers thought we didn't speak English, even though we're born here. It was just weird. Like, I can't explain like the the kids like you know gen z and, and even younger millennials have no concept of how unbelievably weird it was to be the south asian kid in school you were only the only one you know no matter how big your school it was just you and maybe your siblings and, and that was it and you couldn't if you didn't fit into the culture in any way and for dunya it was because that's something beyond her control but like let's say you were like me and you shaved your head and wore combat boots you know in the 90s yeah which you don't do back right. then. they um you, you don't fit in that's it you're not gonna there was no internet to find people who are like-minded you know there was no way to find other people it was like either you're you conforming and you're part of this culture or you're not. And I, I, I wanted Dunya to have that moment. I, I always make my character slightly outsiderish for that reason, because I have always felt outsiderish in every group, you know, mm-hmm. you're not quite American. You're not quite Pakistani. You're like this hybrid thing, you know, possibly taking the best or the worst from each side. And it, it's, it's a weird feeling. And I want, you know, I want people to feel like that that situation, you know, and to understand that it's it's challenging. <laughs> it was a challenge. I can't imagine. Um, I, you know, I I can only relate to <laughs> Blaine Senior High and Blaine, Minnesota, and in, in that we we had some African American kids. <laughs> Literally, it's you're talking graduating class of seven hundred and only three or four African American kids in the class. Mm-hmm. And you and you we think, had. A school of 3,000 in El Paso, Texas, yep. and there were three Pakistani kids, and then my brother and sister graduated. And then there were maybe two or three other Indians, like, you know, not not that many, like yeah. literally out of 3,000. And, and, you know, El Paso was at least a little bit more multicultural than some of the other places we lived, but it was it was always shocking to me how much of an outsider or an other we were even when we were so american you know we're playing in rock bands you know my brother was in all the el paso rock bands and stuff and had long hair and i you know and i was a little goth kid you know we were as trying to get be as american as possible because our parents wanted us to assimilate but then you assimilate too much and it's like ah yeah you went over you went too far you got to pull it back you know and it's right Right. It was it was a challenge. And and Dunya has tried to figure out, you know, she she was so cut off and estranged that she just went full Americanized and does is really not in touch with her culture in any way. And part of this is her having to get back in touch with it in a way that works for her. Um, which I think a lot of people could relate to. Sure. And yeah, she does. She she loses a lot. Um, she she loses simple things like spirituality. She loses things like, uh, I mean, even simple things like uh, cooking, uh, cooking, spirituality. Cooking, yeah. I mean, everything she she uh, it, it, it's just knowing, you know, your place in the world. It's, I think it's important to know your history. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to follow the religions or whatever, but, mm-hmm. but know who, who your family is and what, you know, where they came from. I yeah. think that there are some, so many stories that 
we're going to lose as the generation that my parents die out because one of one of the things is they're the, they're the partition generation right they were the people who are actually in partition my both my parents were and it's something that they don't talk about yeah. i didn't even know about partition until i was an adult and i grew up in with them because it is not talked about wow. it was so traumatic people do not want to talk about it i think we're going to lose a lot of these st important stories that people need to hear there are you know there are finally books coming out about partition and i think that's important to have um the the wider world understand what happened in 1947 yeah. because a lot of terrible things happened yeah. uh, my my father won't talk about it to this day like i've asked really? questions if if the movie gandhi is on i'll be like and, and he'll tell me he'll be like oh i was there when they did this scene but in real life and i was like that is wild that's wild you know because it wasn't that long ago and it feels like it should be ancient history and i'm like no my dad was there he was in that same park with gandhi it's you know wild so you can show him the movie and he might talk about it but you can't get him to might. talk about it outside of it yeah i think there are uh memories of violence that okay. they're just trying to forget which i fully understand sure. but um i think that because we aren't told a lot of these stories as as, as american kids there are some things that we've lost you know there's a, there's a connection to our culture that that is missing mm -hmm. um and writing this book definitely kind of help me see that mm -hmm. and it's helping me kind of look into it without going into a religious sure you know research because i'm not big on religion but like how how did jen apply to us you know how like trying to find out ways to make it work for you know a super americanized girl who's <laughs> just trying to yeah. figure out what the heck is going on and who's only linked to her culture is how she says her name you know because right. um there's a running joke in the book that her name is dunya and everyone calls her Dunya, and Dunya means cilantro. And yeah. for some reason, that that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until my editor was like, "Listen, you mentioned it thirty times. Take it out." I was like, "All right, I'm sorry." No, but um, you know what? But that, I just found it so hilarious. That is a funny running joke, though, in the book. I found myself kind of giggling at it that it meant cilantro. <laughs> I, I, like hey, cilantro. What's up? Yeah, and <laughs> and there's even there's a there's a kid that she hangs out with in the book who's kind of her adversary who brings it up is an insult, which is funny. I mean, it's 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 yeah. kind of it, i get it i get not to get things away but that kid is based on a cousin with the same name who i hate and i wanted him to know that i would happily maim him in a book oh really so i left the name as is yeah really i have i listen <laughs> should, I, should i behave better is all i'm saying yeah yeah well i i get that too i get that too and i don't blame you that sometimes <laughs> sometimes the best way to get back at someone from your childhood is to throw them in your work that's the best way to do Indeed. it absolutely Indeed. well i tell you what this is a good place for us to take a break here amina when we come back I have a feeling you have something against podcasters. I'm going to throw that in there as well. Um, but it's funny. It's a funny <laughs> way you got back at them. Um, I'm going to tell people why we shouldn't throw promo codes in the middle of things in awkward transitions. We'll talk about awkward transitions when we come back. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to go a little bit further into the supernatural part of this as well. And I also want to talk about a little bit more about um murders we'll get into the murderous side of this and the true crime side of it because that's why we're here aren't we we'll get into uh the murderous side of this book which is absolutely fascinating i tell you weaved 
quite the true crime tale here underneath everything when we're talking about culture, when we're talking about the supernatural. This is, if you want to talk about a seven-layer dip of such a great story, it's got it all. I mean, this this book really has it all. What I'm talking about is Almost Surely Dead. That's the name of the book by Amina Akhtar. And you want to pick it up right now. We have a link in the description of this program. Yes, I'm getting into the the segue transition part of this now, Amina. Uh, link in the... By all means, okay. I'm, I'm just writing down all your the accolades you're saying and using it as a blurb. Okay, <laughs> so right. just ignore me. Not a problem. Uh, <laughs> it, we have a link in the description of this program. Be sure to click on it right now while we're in the break. Get a copy of this book, folks. I guarantee you. Again, I'm going to say it again. I really do believe this is the thriller slash true crime slash supernatural book of the year so far, um, and I think it's going to stick as the book of the year because you really are going to enjoy this, folks. Go out get it right now when we come back more with amina Akhtar, we're going to talk almost surely dead and we are going to talk when we come back about why podcasters need to stop these awkward awkward promo codes in the middle of broadcasts it's coming up next with amina Akhtar right here on true crime tuesday Welcome back to the best in true crime podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Amina Akhtar. The book is almost surely dead. And before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about grudges. And we were talking a little bit about uh, how we throw sometimes, we throw people in our work just to kind of take little jabs at them. One of the devices in the book, Amina, which I absolutely got a kick out of, is uh you know sometimes there's a fine i'm just laughing because i yes <laughs> no there's a, it's okay there's, there's a fine art to uh making a good transition and one of the things that we get thrown as podcasters is we get thrown ads of course and we love we love our advertisers we absolutely love our advertisers but sometimes we get thrown copy that is just absolutely impossible to try to work into the current week's show okay so like we're sitting here we're talking we're talking about culture. We're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about murder. And then you get uh, you get a sponsor on that. Maybe they're talking about socks. OK, so how are we going to work socks into, you know, this this conversation? You know, it's by saying it's going to knock your socks off. So that's clearly right. you need to go buy these. This yeah. book is going to, you know, before right. podcasts on, on the Web, you know, writing copy for fashion websites is very similar. We had to work in products, sure. you know, sure. and it's very awkward. Yeah. But part of so part of this book is told in three times. So there's Dunya as it's happening. There's her when she's five. And then there's the podcast, which is about a year and a half in the future. And it's these two girls, girls, women who are trying to find out what happened to Dunya because she has disappeared. So we know from the get-go she's disappeared. We don't know why or how or where she is. And I used the podcast for a couple things. I wanted them to, you know, push the plot forward with information that Dunya herself would not have known at the time, right? Yep. Yep. But I also needed humor because I felt like it was a bit of a, a heavy story. You know, it's like this girl, she's totally lost. She's losing her mind. It's a little dark. Sure. And I, I I feel like murder is best told with laughter. <laughs> like in mm -hmm. all my books, I try to make people laugh as things are getting insanely violent. Because I just think it's funny. Um, so these poor, the poor hapless uh, podcasters are trying to find her. They've got merchandise. You know, it's fine, Dunya. They and 
maybe I don't treat them so well. I'm going to admit <laughs> that. Um, I think with when you're doing a true crime podcast, when it, where you when you're going through cases, you know, mm-hmm. not like you're talking about this that happened in the news, but like you're actually trying to solve the case, and it's the, the you know this one person is the key to your entire podcast. I think we have to ask ourselves: Is it entertainment or is it news? You know, is it is it yeah. what are yeah. what are the motivations behind? doing a podcast like this and in my book the character their motivations are getting a netflix deal it's not about finding dunia they don't really care they're just curious and want a hit podcast is every true crime podcast like that no No. but there definitely are some that you are a little cringy you know and that's and I'm not subtle, so I do very over-the-top satire. <laughs> so that's where the, the podcast well, chapters come from. But but you hit a lot of people where they live too. I mean, they're yeah. they're very they're very vapid. They're very uh, tone deaf. They're very <laughs> they ask the the wrong questions at the the very wrong times. And and they also, I mean, the if I can just use one example, which absolutely kills me, is they they ask uh, Detective Alvarez at the time if they can. If they can, um, if they can name the source that actually comes forward with an important piece of information, can we name that source on air? And of course, Detective Alvarez goes, "Of course, you can't name that source on air. You know, we need to protect that source." Like, what are you stupid? Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a question that nobody in their right mind who's ever done this job for any amount of time would ever ask. I mean, you'd never you'd never ask that question. But these are in the book. They are like former New York Post type tabloid writers trying to transition career. So it's not like they have a huge background in how to properly podcast, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, they, they throw some red herrings at us, you know, depending what, what which chapter you're, you're, you're listening to. Mm-hmm. If you're doing the audiobook, they really did make it sound like a podcast, you know, like there's, there's the intro and the music mm-hmm. and it's hilarious. Like, so Depending if you're doing the audiobook, you'll, you'll get that. But there are times when you're you're listening to them, and you're like, "Oh, it's got to be this character who's doing all this, or it's this other character." Mm-hmm. And then you realize, "Oh, these ladies are crazy," and they um they're also really vaguely racist. Like there's just like these little yeah, microaggressions yeah. against Dunya, yeah. and they're like, "Is this because she's Muslim?" And everyone's like, "No, no, no I don't, no. I don't think that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not why she almost got killed on the subway." Um. So there, there's definitely they're they're not the best podcasters. No, they're not. <laughs> they're they would not winning, not winning any awards. They would not be someone you would want to have on the show and talk with. Yeah, except so, to say, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know. The the one thing I I love too, and they bring it up more than I think it's more than once. Maybe it's twice or three times. They bring up the the private detective, and of course, if you need a private detective, use the code. Uh, <laughs> What was it? The Dunia fifteen, Dunia, or Dunia twenty. That's right. We've got a special <laughs> deal right now on the private detective. Uh, get twenty percent off. Use the code Dunia twenty, uh, which I thought was just brilliant and very cringy all at the same time. I just went, if you oh. want really cringy, I highly recommend my first book because it's basically if American Psycho were set in the fashion industry. Yeah. And the main character, you know, it's her point of view. You're in her head. She's a serial killer killing everyone who's annoying her and getting in her way because she has to climb the masthead and, you know, become a hot editor. And there's a lot of cringing at the fashion world, which is a very easy thing to do because 
it's a very ridiculous world. I love it, but it is a ridiculous <laughs> world. Um, like she's more concerned with the blood on her Manolos than the fact that there's a body in front of her. You know, so it's it's that sort of ridiculousness. <laughs> I I and in, in Kismet, I I obviously I make fun of the goop wellness because it's set in Sedona, which is where yeah. I live. Yeah. Um, there is an element of supernatural in that, but I just I just like taking these co- these concepts. You know, you've got. I, I don't want to say that it's all mostly pop by white women, but it is a very white woman world. There's fashion, there's wellness, and there's true crime podcasts. And there can be really fun to make fun of these things. I'm not going to lie. You know, I like poking fun at, you know, I poke fun at myself being in the fashion industry, but it is, it is, uh, a, a worthy to make fun of. Let's put it that way. It's, it's a good thing to make fun of. So when is Blumhouse going to make Fashion Victim a movie? That's what I want to know. I don't know. They can call my agent and get it done. <laughs> there you go. I think that I think that needs to be made soon. That's what I think. I'm happy here, and I'm happy to send you a copy. It's it's you know it is I what I tell everybody is it is the most the craziest thing I've ever written. Yeah. Um, and you have to be able to endure fashion speak with it which mm-hmm. might not be easy for some readers and fashion speak is um a lot of oh my oh, I'm talking like you're a teenager basically like omg that was so great oh wow i love that that's <laughs> totes obsessed you know that voice sure. because it was like you know being in the industry felt like we were perpetually in high school you know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's kind of what that book does so was was that book the the beginning of you fleshing out your frustrations and you've just continued that was that was my swan song to the fashion industry okay. because i had hit this point where my mom had passed away mm-hmm. and i had gotten laid off at l in like 2013. okay and you know layoffs are a constant thing in that in this business unfortunately yeah. when i started in this business in 1999 because mm-hmm. i'm older than i look um there was longevity in this in that industry yeah. you know you could absolutely make a career of it by the time I was finished uh, at like mid thirties, I couldn't get hired. I was too expensive and too old. Really? And I mean, I mean, there is not a website in the fashion world I haven't worked on. You know, like there's so many things I've done, and I, I was literally sitting there going, "What am I supposed to do with myself? Like, I need a job. I don't have a trust fund. Like, holy yeah. cow!" And you know, I did some freelance work, and I just basically started sat down and wrote because I didn't know what else. I had no skills. Like, what, what, what is my skill? Shopping. I mean, I'm a really good shopper for uh-huh. the record. I am. Sure. But how do I turn that into a career, right? Beyond fashion. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to write this book, and I got so much anger and frustration out in it. Um, and then for two years, people were like, "We can't touch this. This is too crazy a book." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, maybe I'm not meant to be a writer. I don't know. Um, and then I moved out to Arizona to be with my father because uh-huh. he was alone and he's in his 90s. And yeah. I decided, well, I'm near Sedona. Let's let's write a book where people get killed by crystals. You know, why not? Let's yeah. live death by crystal. Let's let's have, you know, poisoned protein shakes. Let's <laughs> let's do, <laughs> you know, killer yoga. Let's find a way to poke fun at trying to buy your way into wellness and being well, you know, because that is definitely a thing that, that a lot of us have, you know, especially women have to deal with being bombarded with this crystal will save your life. And you're like, no, it's not going to, you know, even if you believe in them, it's really not going to cure you for anything, you know? So that's, and there is a supernatural element to it, but it's more about the natural world. Sure. Um, because I, on a daily basis, don't see humans. Thankfully, I see animals. Mm-hmm. And we have these ravens out here that are like, 
giant, right? Yeah. So I made the ravens their own character, like a Greek chorus. Okay. And so throughout the book, they're just annoyed at humans taking over their land and ruining Uh it, which is what's happening to a lot of these smaller mountain touristy towns. Yeah. You know, like Airbnbs and everything is ruining it so that people can't live here, yeah. which is a real issue out in Sedona. So I thought that wasn't going to be an interesting way to, to work. It was sort of like my bridge between the fashion thing and then Almost Really Dead is like just sort of touching on the supernatural, you know, and then like not really making it a big deal. It's just it's there. And then I was like, OK, well, now I can do it my supernatural book. Yeah. And even then, I don't I, I didn't go too heavy in it. But, no, you, you didn't. That, which which is interesting. That's kind of where I was going to take you next. Now, you you with the concept of the gin, you've you've kind of put your toes in the water, but you haven't jumped all the way in. I mean, this is still for lack Truthfully, of better. Though I was with, a, um, you know, it's supposed to be a thriller. It is you know, just a- in terms of marketing. And when before Mindy picked it up for her imprint, it was with Thomas Mercer, which is Amazon's thriller mm-hmm. and crime imprint. Yes. So if you're doing horror or anything with Supernatural, you still have to make it a thriller mm-hmm. to be properly with the imprint. And so that was I think it, it was important for me to do that. Um, and also, for I didn't want to do too much with oh, now we have to do an exorcism scene, you know, or this or that, because we've all seen those. We've read those. We've right. watched those. There's yeah. really nothing new about the vomit scenes, you know? Like, it's it's yeah. been done. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like, Head Full of Ghosts, been done. Beautiful book. Like, yeah. but like, you know, can't, can't, don't want to do the same thing, right? But, so I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the impact on this woman, yeah. you know, because like, is this is her, she's the victim here. Um, and she's a victim without even, you know, without realizing why she's a victim, but it, the impact on her and how she's coming to terms with it, I thought was more interesting at this point than to do full on Pazuzu vomiting, you know, head spinning. Right. Right. Exactly. No, you approach it very smartly. It's, it's a, uh, this is for people who may think that this is going to go, off the tracks, woo-woo, it does not. It's far from it. It's very much based in reality and very much what you would think would happen to someone who may be uh, chased by a spirit. That's that's the only or way unwell. I can... Yeah, and you're gonna you're not gonna know which. Right. Or unwell. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Good way of putting it. Let me ask you this question, Amina. Uh, how does Mindy Kaling come into this and, and, and how do you end up on her imprint? How I have she- no idea what I did to get her to love me, but I am so thankful for her. Yeah, yeah. She has read, had read my other two books. So she had read Fashion Victim and she really enjoyed it. And she had read Kismet and Kismet was coming out right when she was doing her uh, imprint launch, but the timing for the two didn't really work well together. Okay. Um, and so I was really hoping that maybe one day she would pick this book up. But as I, when I turned this book in, I really, really thought no one's going to read this. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I felt nauseated. I was kind of like, I'm going to vomit. I turned it in. I was like, I don't know what to do with this here. Take it. And my editor was like, I love it. I was like, are you just saying this? And, you know, is this a prank? Mm-hmm. And then she comes back to me and she says, uh, Mindy Kaling's imprint wants this book. And I was like, shut up. No, they don't. No, not like this is not the same kind of books that she's, you know, that people would do in a celebrity book club or imprint. That's, you know, it's not this kind of book. Yeah. So I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. Um, Her support has been incredible. I think having somebody who has, you know, broken the ceilings, broken the glass ceiling and also, you know, helped 
you know, is a woman of color in Hollywood, which is so challenging. But then she's holding the door open for other creators of color, which I think is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's a model for the rest of us as we climb our ladders to keep holding the door open for others behind us. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I come from the fashion world where you actually kick the ladder down as opposed to holding it up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It was really refreshing to have this support and not want anything in return. You know, that was, it wasn't like a, you do this and I'll do this sort of thing to me. You know, it was totally like, she wanted nothing in return and here you go. And I, I just, I'm thankful for it. It, It's incredible. Yeah. And she's been quite vocal about how much she enjoys the book, how much she's, she's in love with the book. In fact, uh, she did a huge uh, interview with the LA times about, about the book. Yeah. Yeah, which was yes. I saw my big, I saw my big face in the paper. I was like, (laughs) "Oh my god, what?" Uh, It was a bit of a shock. Yes, Um, I just, I, I, you know, coming from the fashion industry and like, you know, you're you're always writing little copy and this and this and this. And I always had editors who were like, "No, you're not a good writer. You can't do this." So I, I kind of internalized that a lot. I was like, "I'm not a writer." A writer is someone who got an MFA and you went to Iowa and stuff. I did not do that. So I think it's taken me a while to realize, hey, I'm not so bad at this. <laughs> you know? I like, think cool. three, awesome. three books in, you're a writer, Amina. I don't know how to tell you this. I know, but, but yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, a hard, um, it's a hard career to have your self-esteem wrapped around. Let's put it that way. Because yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of rejection you have to deal with. I tell you, I think you're a little more than a writer. You're knocking them out of the park now. So uh, it's it's. Uh, I think you're in this for the long haul. I hope so, because four and five are coming. I've got book four I'm working on now, and book five might be a little more into the supernatural. Really? Um, yes, but I don't want to share what it's going to be yet, oh. because it's hilarious. Really? <laughs> I'll tell you off the record. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> off the record. We'll talk about it off air. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Folks, I, I got to tell you, you got to check this out. Almost surely dead. Amina Akhtar has been our guest. I don't know that I want to. I want to tell. I want to tell people. I want to tell the world what this is about. Uh, I want to. I want to go spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. But I can't. I want you to check it out for yourself. I got to tell you, there's, there's. We got the gin in this thing. We've got murders galore in this thing, and and. There's some pretty and fun murders and fun murders. Kind of some funny murders. I like murders should be funny in a bow or fun. Like you yeah. shouldn't, you know. I don't like murders that are boring. It's murder. No. It's, it's like the worst thing in theory that we could be doing. Right? Is taking another life. So well, even the opening let's make it dramatic and hilarious and even the stuff out of it. Even the opening one we talked about was like, are you kidding me? I mean that that was you know just trying to trying to throw our lead character onto the train tracks. I like to to pull people in right away. Yeah. (laughs) What better way than an almost murderer in the first chapter? That was almost James Bond like in the, in the beginning of the, (laughs) the beginning of the book. I, I was, uh, I was a little shocked even there at the beginning, but I mean, it only, I mean, it takes off from there and it just keeps getting, uh, it keeps getting bigger and bigger throughout the book. Um, but yeah, folks, there's, there's, uh, and, and the relationships, I, the, the one thing I'm not pointing out here that I need to is that uh, uh, Dunia's relationships keep building, even though she's a solitary person and a person who really feels like not only is she the black sheep of her family, um, who tries to remain solitary. It's funny how she keeps 
grabbing onto these characters throughout the book and they keep inserting themselves into her life. And even though she's like, you know, you really need to stay away from me because my family doesn't really, something's going on. My family doesn't really like me. I don't think you're really going to like me either. I'm not lovable. She's not, she she needs to work on her self-esteem. That's true. I, I, her and my, my previous character, Ronnie and Kismet, are, are, are beat down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think we all get there once or twice in our lives when everything goes wrong. You know, you, you lose people, you lose pets, you lose your job. You just feel like there's nothing worthy in you and you just want to hide. And that's that's where Dunya is. She's trying to, you know, she's trying to make sense of, of who she is because she's also been dumped by her fiancé, Yeah, you know, and she didn't really get to have that reconciliation with her mom before her mom dies, you right. know, because her mom is already dead. That's not a spoiler. And, uh, you know, I think it's really about trying to get yourself out of that place. You know, I've been in that place. It's, you know, it was not fun. And then you have to climb your way out. Yeah. And this is Dunya trying to climb her way out while figuring out what the heck is going on. And you really are rooting for her. You want her to, you know, because she's getting, pardon the language here, she's getting so much shit piled on her that you just, you want to try and clear some of that away and try to help her out, help this poor girl out, you know? Yeah, she, she's the person you're going to be screaming at, don't do that! Right, you know? right. Because she has, like, no sense. And, you know, when you're watching your horror movie, you're going to be like, why did she do that? Why, Dunia? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I liked, the, I wanted relationships, you know, relationship with her best friend, Kendra, you know, and Kendra is this person who had, has always helped her you know she's already le- she leans on kendra a lot and it's almost that trope of having the black best friend because who does all the heavy lifting for you and it is a thing it's a thing that that occurs yeah and so it's sort of it's poking fun at that you know and, and so she wants to be as good a friend to her friend to kendra as kendra is to her right. and that's w- what leads her to meet some some people who, who might not be the best people to meet um and it keeps you guessing throughout because you're not sure who she can trust and she's not sure who she can trust and Part of it is also you can't actually trust her because she's very unreliable and she doesn't mean to be, you know. So you get her story, but then on the podcast you're you're, you're hearing from her sister, and her sister is telling the other side of the story. Yes. And you're like, wait, th- that, these are two different things. But you know, Dunia is coming at it from a lens of trauma. You know, it's just and it's only her vision. You know, it's like what she can see as opposed to seeing the bigger picture. So I think that that was kind of fun for me to do as well. And that I think you just pointed out something there, um, which really keeps you off balance the entire book. And that is, who is this woman? Because you're getting different perspectives of her throughout. Although you're rooting for her and you think you know who she is, you start finding out different perspectives of her. And you're like, do I really know this woman? Throughout the entire book. There is a... (laughs) When I was little and sleepwalking a lot, mm-hmm. I used to, God help my my poor older sister, she used to wake up to four-year-old me standing at the foot of her bed watching her every single night, which honestly is the creepiest thing a little child can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a child do that, I would just be like kicking them across the room and be like, nope, 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 I'm out. <laughs> she somehow put up with this. So there is her sister talking about these sleepwalking incidents that she had to put up with and we as we're feeling sorry for dunya we find out that she tried to kill her sister in her sleep yeah um and then you're kind of wondering well what kind of psycho is this person um but it's sleepwalking and it's really 
it is a really bizarre experience. And if you haven't done it, it's hard to explain to other people how, um, you know, you're basically watching things unfold. You don't realize you're doing it. So I really just enjoyed having that. Because if you had my sister on talking about the sleepwalking, she'd be like, yeah, it was creepy. It was awful. It ruined my life. You know? <laughs> so, whereas I think it's hilarious and funny. You know? yeah. So it would be yeah. very different perspectives. What's the, before we leave people today, what's the worst thing you've ever done while you're sleepwalking? Um, I have climbed furniture. I've turned on the washing machine. I've gotten right up to the door of my apartment and I somehow stopped. Um, it's doing really stupid things. I, you know, I don't touch sharp objects. I am concerned about running outside the house though. Okay. So I definitely kind of put, um, a door stopper and, and things in my way that, That'll trip me up enough for my other side of my brain to be like, hold up, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I don't do any food or driving stuff, okay. but I do any, if you come and talk with me, I'll have a whole conversation with you. And then you're going to be like, something's not right here. Cause all of a sudden I'll just be like, there's cockroaches on your face. And you're going to be like, <laughs> what the hell's going on? And yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like you remember in school when they had those overhead projectors with the transparencies. Yep. And this is very, I'm sorry, younger re listeners, you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. It's almost like that transparency is the dream on top of reality. And so you're still acting it out because it's happening, but I can see all of reality. Like if you walked into my room, I would see you, but you would now be entering into my dream. And it's just the most bizarre experience that I can even tell people. And I thankfully only do it maybe once a month now. And it's mostly just running out of bed, just jumping up and running. Yeah. Um, my dog hates it. <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I wake up holding her like this and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that might scare, so, scare a little bit. Can I, can I tell yeah. you something that might make you feel a little bit better? Sure. When, when my, my when my little sister was younger, she was probably about mm, eight nine years old. She woke up and my my second my second well well her older sister my younger younger sister not my youngest sister but my youngest sister woke up she was she was sleepwalking she wasn't fully awake yet she woke up she was walking about I think she had to go to the bathroom didn't quite realize she oh, had no. to and uh, peed in my second youngest oh. sister's suitcase so there you go i've never done that yeah i've never done that so, I, I just i go for the more creepy child in a movie type of thing yeah, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to urinating anywhere yeah. um and thankfully I've, I've stayed indoors for the most part i will leave my room now and then but i don't go out the front door which is you know considering where we live it's a blessing yeah yeah well i i and you don't do you still sleepwalk on occasion yeah 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 oh, absolutely if i'm drinking if i'm going out then it'll be more really? um but otherwise there are just some nights i wake up and i'm you know all the way by my front my bedroom door and the lights are on and i'm just trying to figure out what happened uh, it takes a while to for the dream to kind of recede enough for me to figure out oh, okay none of that is real that giant tarantula of your bed not real you know it's yeah. okay go back to bed um because you can see it you'll see it with your eyes open and be like no it's right there and then it's like no 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 it's just your brain being weird so yeah so is uh dad locking locking uh dunya in the uh bedroom was that was that a thing that actually they had to do with you uh no i don't think they my, he, my dad has joked that they should tie me to the bed okay, okay. or put cameras up 
But, you know, after watching Paranormal Activity, that first one where, yes. you know, she's yeah. by the bed. Yep. I do that. And I was like, I don't want to see myself doing that. Like, there's just that's just so creepy to me. You know, yeah. watching yourself when you're doing things where you have no control over. Is this, yeah. That is the creepiest thing. I can't I never want to see that. Okay. Like, I never want to see me doing that. No, no, no. I, don't, I get you. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The things we learn when we, we spend a little time together. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> All right. Well, folks. Adult go sleepwalk. I know. Uh, oof, gosh. I, see, sleepwalking to me is just one it's of those things. It's supposed to end in your adolescence. And then some right. of us, we just don't end. We just keep doing it. And it, I. And they, they there's no rhyme or reason. Neurologist can't, hasn't been able to tell you why it's still going on? I feel like the brain is a big mystery. I mean, I say this, my father's a retired psychiatrist. So it's like, we've explored this issue with him to be like, what is going on in there? It's just wiring in your brain is different. Yeah. I was going to say, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a physical thing. Not a, not a, yeah, not a psychological. It's, thing. it's like the side of your brain that's supposed to be asleep is right. not a hundred percent asleep. And right. so they're, they're interacting in weird ways. And it's just, it's, it's a really bizarre experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry that it's, it's gotta be mad again. Inspiration, right? Right. Exactly. Well, exactly. I take everything in my life and like, let, let me turn this into a bulk. It'll be great. <laughs> well, you took a negative, you turned it to a positive. That's, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't see sleepwalking as a negative. I think it's quirky and weird. Sure. Uh, if sure. it were, if I were running around outside with the coyotes at night, I would be worried that <laughs> that would be scary. That would be a but, positive. No. <laughs> yeah. They're really big out there. You know, we've got the javelinas out there. We've got the mountain lions. I'm not, I don't want to be out there at night. Yeah, but Amina, you've got your own coyote pack. That is awesome. <laughs> they come onto my pet. So I have this pet. I, I, you know, I have a patio where I put bird seed out because I just, I love the birds. And, you know, they fly here for the winter. So yeah. I'm like, here, let me give you food. Sure. Every night the coyotes get on that patio and stare us down while they eat the, the bird seed. And I'm like, I have vegan coyotes out there, basically, is what I'm saying. And they just want more birdseed. And I'm trying to get them away well, because yeah, I don't want yeah. them near the house. I don't want them near Beanie. Yeah. You know, and I've given up. It's, this is their land, you know? I, my listeners know I have chipmunks. That's that's what I've got. Oh. We yeah. have three baby chipmunks in the front. It's obviously Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Yeah. And every so often, I'll leave them a little bit of birdseed, like mm -hmm. a fruit and nut mix, because mm -hmm. they're just so cute. They are. Yeah, yeah. We've got. Uh, we have baby. We have javelinas, which are the wild pigs. Oh yeah. Um, mostly in Arizona. Yeah. And they had babies recently. So if you go into oh. my Instagram, you'll see baby javelina pictures. I'm gonna do and that. And they and I have had a battle about the bird seed because they would knock all the trays down that I had out. They would break and smash things. So it finally got to be like, I can't fight you guys. Eat whatever bird seed you want and leave me alone. You know, like this is a war i'm not going to win right um and but they they've been bringing their babies over and they're like the cutest little murder pigs you know because <laughs> <laughs> they're not nice but they're so cute yeah oh i'm definitely doing that i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up then uh almost surely dead name of the book amina akhtar has been our guest i'm gonna thank you so much for being with us today thank you i had such a great time i love other horror lovers yes absolutely absolutely and we're looking forward to number four and number five. That's for sure. Me too. I got to start writing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Got to take it out of my head and get it on paper. We hope you'll come back for, for those books. I would love to come back. Well, we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. Don't be alarmed, but now we're going to bring in our, our co-host, Mally Fox. And it's time now for, get this, this is our second segment, Dumb Crimes and Stupid Criminals. It's, it's Crayon News Storytime. <laughs> 
What happened with this dude, Christbearer? I heard he uh, cut his penis off and then jumped off a balcony. Suspect pulls gun from butt, shoots twice at Denver police. What is your emergency? Uh, and what's the problem? I'm too high. You're too high? Yeah. It's that time once again, the time you've all been looking forward to. It's time now for Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals. And with that, we got to bring in the co-hostess with the mostest. We bring her in right now. It's Mally Fox. Mally, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I got a Super Bowl hangover. <laughs> because of the food or just late hour? Uh, food coma. A uh, little bit too much football. Is there such a thing? Could be. Yeah. At least it was a good game. I yeah. mean, they weren't. No one was getting cremated. Was it though a good game? I mean, I, I would argue that too many, too many turnovers for such a, for such an important game. Uh huh. And and uh, sloppy fundamental play. I mean, they really. Mm. <laughs> you know, kickers missing mm-hmm. kicks. Guys fumbling in crucial situations. It was, it, you know, people, some people may say, oh, that was such a great game. I, don't know. I didn't think it was one of the better Super Bowl games. Mm. I saw, did you see the uh, videos or the pictures of the after parties with uh, Jason Kelsey? How he was wearing the bibs because he wore those during the, <laughs> the game. But then he had that Mexican wrestling mask on. Oh, the Lucha mask? Yeah. No, oh, my God, I, it was hilarious. I, I love him. Yeah, he's a, so I like him better than anybody else, but <laughs> <laughs> so or Britney. Well, I don't like her at all. Um, Britney Spears? I, no, oh, no. Britney um, Mahomes? Yes. How oh. how her brother in law got turned down at a party, and she was kind of like, oh well, and then she just starts dancing as he gets denied to come into what? the VIP section. Oh yeah, it's all over social media. It's hilarious. She's like, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna do my own thing. Hmm. <laughs> Because I don't like that brother. Yeah. I think he's a leech. But yeah. anyway, that's well, just my a, personal opinion. There's that too. Uh-huh. So but yeah, he was like, my brother's Patrick. And the and the bouncer's like, so? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so much drama surrounding the Super Bowl. I has, know. Mm, I live for that more so than the game. Has nothing to do with the on-field <laughs> stuff, does it? There was no big no big proposal after the game. I know. I was thinking there might have been, but there was no uh, no political allegiances made, much to a lot of people's chagrin. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. It was uh, it was pretty quiet. Although there was a lot of Swifties saying that it uh, Tay needs to leave needs to leave Travis. He was. Did you see oh, this? Oh yeah, because of his, his with the coach. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's an abuser. He's abusive. But <laughs> also, listen to so have you seen though that a lot of her fans are turning against her because they're saying that her image is not so goody goody anymore because she was drinking a beer. <gasps> I know. Oh, she's a, not yet. Yeah, she's a, a bad role model for the younger generation. Oh my god! You just can't win. I swear to God. Would it have been better if she was drinking a Cosmo? I don't know. Mm. One could only think, one could only hope, one could only wish, Mally. <laughs> I don't know. We're so wrapped up 
so wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. But I ended my night with true, what's it called? True Detective. Have you watched the one with, um, it's on Max. It's with. Uh, the new one? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's so good. Is it? Yeah, it's got a little supernatural, a little detective. It takes place mm-hmm. in uh, Alaska. That, it's good. I really like it. That's the one with Jodie Foster? Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't seen mm-hmm. it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I'm uh, thinking I might binge it here in the next week or two. Yeah. No, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've heard mixed reviews on it. I've, I have some people who've seen it who absolutely love it. I have other people who have seen it who said, eh, I stopped after two episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, see, now I thought that was Derek. He was kind of like, ah, eh, we watched the first episode together. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't, he didn't seem like he was liking it a lot. So then I binge watched it like last week. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I finished it up last night. But <clears throat> he brought up to me yesterday, he's like, oh, you know what? We got to get back to watching True Detective. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I haven't really? watched it. He goes, what? I said, I didn't think you wanted to watch it. You're just the way he was acting while, you know, watching it. He was yeah. like, man, okay. And he got mad at me. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. Yes. All of a sudden he wants to watch it. Hmm. And I was like, it's so good. <laughs> He's like, rub it in. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm finding that when, when HBO puts that money into a series, it's really a good series. It's just, it may start slow, but it's, it's going to end up being something good. So you really have right. to stay with it. You got to stay mm-hmm. with it. So it, it's not it's not time ill spent. It's time well spent. Yep. So yeah, there, there's that. So well, speaking of time well spent, depending on who you talk to here, Mally, <laughs> it's time now for dumb crimes and super criminals. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. We got some interesting stories here today. Uh, one of the ones I don't know that this is a dumb crime. It's a it's it's a dumb crime, but I don't know about stupid criminal. It's kind of a tragic criminal is who we're talking about oh. today, Mal. We've only got a few stories today, but uh, Billy Jack Haynes is who we're talking about today, Mal. He's a, a tragic pro wrestler. Yes, we're talking about the underwater needle point today. First, um, Billy Jack Haynes has been one of the what we call an oddball when it comes to pro wrestling he's one of those fringe characters one of those guys who's probably not got his head screwed on straight mm-hmm. uh he came his his life came to a tragic end last oh. week yeah he was uh well he's in the hospital actually i don't think his life came to an end i i had understood that it came to an end last week but evidently not he was in the hospital as of last week um I understood that he was he had passed away, but the story I have in front of me says that he is it an old story. It might, like it hasn't been updated. It might be the story I was sent by a wrestler or by a wrestler by a listener. <laughs> um, story I was sent by a listener said that he um, he was in a hospital as of Thursday. Uh, former pro wrestler is expected to be booked into jail in connection with his wife's death in the Lentz neighborhood in Portland on Thursday. William Albert Haynes Jr. surrendered after about two hours when police arrived at the house following reports of a shooting when officers were able to get inside the house. They found Jeanette B. Craft had already died. She was 85 years old. Haynes is 70. 
and remains hospitalized for what police said is a medical issue not connected with the Thursday incident. He's expected to be taken to jail when he's released from the hospital in days. Authorities said charges against Haynes will be released once he is booked. A pro wrestling website said his professional name, of course, is Billy Jack Haynes, who began his pro wrestling career in 1982. He's had an up-and-down career wrestling against such well-known figures as Ric Flair and Randy Macho Man Savage during the 1980s. The website said Haynes returned to Portland, opened a gym that failed, and returned to wrestling for a short time. Coin 6 News. Uh, we'll have more information later. Coin is in K-O-I-N, the coin. <laughs> it's in flipping the other side of the coin. Um, Did you know that Ric Flair was a stolen baby? Yes. Isn't that weird? He's I just a, learned that not too long ago. He's had a bizarre life, Mel. Yeah. There's a reason that man, uh, as Hulk Hogan was quoted as saying, uh, has not been seen drinking water in front of anybody. Mm. He doesn't drink water. He drinks alcohol. Yeah. He, uh, Ric Flair even was quoted as saying that in his latest run-in with the hospital, Uh-huh. Uh, he was sober for all of 30 days. He got his 30-day chip. He went to a bar. He turned it in. He got a drink. Oh, geez. He only stayed sober for 30 days. You would think that he would be sober, though, because he blames himself for the death of his son. He does. Uh, With but, the drug overdose. Because wasn't it a drug overdose yes. that his son passed away from? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. But then maybe that's why he's drunk yeah. or he has a drinking problem. Yeah, he's got a lot of pain He's he's hiding, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, he was adopted, although his adopted parents uh, were here in Minnesota. Um, and they were wealthy. He got, adult, he got right. adopted into a wealthy family. Yes. And they so got lucky there. Yeah. They were very well to do and they, they took very good care of him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could say that, well, what is there all the strife about? Well, the strife really was because it was his original parents. I think he really longed to know. His original parents. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of deep psychological issues there, you know. So, Speaking of deep psychological issues, Mel, are you ready for this? <laughs> okay. We found, um, we found who put the meth in Methodist pastor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. A Connecticut church pastor is found with crystal meth during a traffic stop, according to police. We go to Woodbury, Connecticut, where a local church pastor faces drug charges after state police say they found crystal methamphetamine in the car that he was driving. The Reverend Herbert Irving Miller. That doesn't sound like a meth addict to you, does it? (laughs) It's like an old school name. That is. Yeah. Herbert Irving Miller. All of 63 years old of Church Street also has a suspended registration, according to the Connecticut State Police. He was arrested Friday and charged with operating an unregistered motor vehicle, illegal operation of a motor vehicle with minimum insurance, possession of a a controlled substance, use of drug paraphernalia, and possession with intent to sell a narcotic, according to state police. According to the state police, members of the community alerted the Woodbury Resident Troopers Office of a suspicious incident on September... On September. <laughs> on Fe- it's the new month. It's the 13th month. <laughs> That's right. The 13th month of September. <clears throat> on February 7th, uh, Sergeant Christine Jeltema 
from the media relations unit of the Connecticut State Police to not elaborate on the nature of the incident. Then about noon on Friday, police pulled Miller over on South Main Street. They said he was driving a car with a registration that had been suspended for failure to maintain the required amount of insurance. Police said they discovered Miller had meth on him in both rock and liquefied forms. Hey, you got to diversify your bonds. (laughs) Isn't that what they say on Wu-Tang Insurance on the Chappelle show? Diversify your bonds? Uh, The liquid meth was in a hypodermic needle prepared for injection, according to the state police. Miller, the former pastor of First United Methodist Church in Shelton, was appointed pastor of Woodbury United Methodist Church in July, according to the Shelton Church's new leader, Pastor Bill Florin, who said, hey, put that meth in Methodist, baby. I wonder if his parishioners noticed something. You know what I mean? Like when people take meth, they've got that look. Well, the open source don't help, but they have that look. <laughs> they call it they meth. If they're just like, that guy's on something. They call it meth mouth, Mal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An outgoing telephone message at the Woodbury Church identifies Miller as the pastor, as does a church bulletin from the weekend. <laughs> not, the, not the singer of the weekend. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, His name has been removed from the church website, however. Miller could not be reached for comment. Miller was released on a written promise to appear in State Superior Court in Waterbury on February 23rd. So there you go. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Um, You ever had a bad nurse? Actually, I've been lucky. I've, I've had very wonderful nurses. Have you? Yeah, I've never had a bad experience. I had one, I think I've told it on this program before, um, the female Arnold Schwarzenegger when I had hip surgery when I was uh, a teenager. I had mm-hmm. pins put in my hip. I was uh, fresh fresh off the operating table. I was put in my room. I just woke up, and uh, she came in and said, it's time to change the sheets. And I was like, no, no, look at my chart, look at my chart, and I was pointing at the bottom of the bed this is back uh, when they put your chart on a on a clipboard right she said no it's time to change the sheets <laughs> i was like no 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 uh and then she proceeded to flip me i had a drain inside my hip uh, and she chose to ignore the drain she flipped me and i screamed because i was in so much pain um and then two nurses and an orderly came running into the room and said, what are you doing? And she said, it's time to change the sheets. I think that was the only phrase she knew <laughs> in English. And they said, no, no change the sheets. It was a very primal conversation. Mm. And, uh, and then they pointed at the, they pointed at the uh, bottom of the bed where it said I had just had surgery and not to change or move me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a nightmare. Uh, This nurse that we're about to talk about, uh, the assailant said the nurse should have expected a punch. Oh. Evidently, nurses are under fire at this particular Mm. place. A psych patient said the female victim knows how this works. 
this doesn't sound like a safe place to work. Uh-uh. After punching a female nurse in the face, a Florida woman, of course we're going to Florida, declared that she was mentally ill and that the victim should expect to be hit by a psych patient, according to police. Latika Poinsettia Barron, or Barian, that's a pretty middle name, by the way, Poinsettia, 32 years old, was transported by cops yesterday to Morton Plant Hospital in Clearwater for treatment. As part of the admission process, Barian was required to change into a hospital gown. During that process, the defendant asked the victim, am I being Baker acted? What? You ever heard of being Baker acted? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, well, let me explain. Florida's Baker Act covers individuals that are deemed to be impaired and in need of crisis services. Told that she was being Baker acted, in fact, being voluntarily admitted, Barian allegedly punched the female victim in the face, leaving her with a minor scratch, swelling, and bruising. That wasn't very nice of her. Several witnesses were on scene, according to a Clearwater Police Department officer. The victim, who's all of 33 years old, and by the way, she doesn't look very, very cordial, Mally, as we take a look at her photo here between Oh, she looks mean. Yeah, she doesn't look like she's going to greet you with open arms Uh -uh. once you've told her she's being Baker acted. Uh, The victim, 33, told police that Barian explained that she was a psych patient and that the victim works in mental health and knows how this works. (laughs) Well, then why would you punch somebody? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Barian reportedly added that she would get away with this and that the nurse should expect to be hit by a psych patient. Oh, geez. Yeah. Despite her apparent belief that she would escape unscathed after walloping the nurse, who was in a blue uniform with her hospital ID attached, Barian was arrested and charged with battery on health service personnel, which is a felony. Barian was booked into the county lockup where Bond has yet to be set according to jail records. Mm. So the the uh, the moral of the story here, Mally, mm-hmm. if you're being Baker acted, keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> okay. See? So that's, that's how you do that. The other thing you should learn, the other lesson we're going to learn here today, is if you're handing out samples, generally, uh-huh. generally good to attach your business card, right? Okay, so yeah. People know, hey... This sample that you're re- you're going to get from me, this comes from me. If you need mm-hmm. more, contact me at this number, right? Right. Except for if you're handing out Coke. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> then you probably want to say, hey, this came from me. Hit me on the DL. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I just remembered one of my gifts for my mother was a cutting board oh thank but god it, it wasn't said coke. not just for coke okay oh it did oh. <laughs> yeah. she loved it <laughs> is that a is that a big problem in her neighborhood or no it was just kind of funny she had guests over for christmas and when she was opening up uh she had out-of-town guests and so the one girl looked at her and she was like that's from your daughter and she goes yeah she gets me my mom and i have a funny sense of humor and i thought it was hilarious my mom thought it was hilarious but this girl who is very prim and proper was like (laughs) oh (laughs) Oh, you do it off of cutting boards and not mirrors yeah but isn't that kind of cute though it's a cutting board it says not just for coke not just for coke anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, this dealer handed out Coke samples and the baggie of drugs. And here, I'll show you, Melly. This is actually pretty, this is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got a little 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 baggie of Coke stapled right there. And it's decorated. It's it got is. some stars on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there to the old business card. It's a very small sample, by the way. It's mm-hmm. if you can imagine the just the corner of the business card has just a little two to little two to coke right there. Uh, the baggie of drug is stapled right there to the suspect's business card, so it's very nice, very simple, very nice. Um, in an apparent bid to drum up customers for his drug business, a Canadian man, always oh, Canadian, so see, you did oh, it. You did there it. you go. Very prim and proper. Uh, handed out business cards with a small sim- sample of cocaine attached, according to police. According to cops, Saeed Amir Razavi, who's all of 30 years old, always oh, thinking, he's an older gent, uh, distributed the cards outside a casino in Calgary where Razavi resides. <laughs> he went to the casino. Uh, I just wonder what was going through his head. I don't know, Mel. And, and how did he get so much coke? Well, it's only a small amount. I mean, it's right. But how many business cards did he pass out, though? It all adds up. Well, it's true. You're right there. Investigators learned of the cards in late December and launched a probe that resulted in the February 3rd arrest of Razavi on the narcotics possession and trafficking charges. A police search of Razavi's auto and residence yielded 50 baggies of cocaine. See, that adds up. That's expensive. I mean, I don't know personally, but I would think that would be expensive. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Digital scale with drug residue and $1,280 in cash. Cops also seized a box of business cards with the name Alex Lee. Well, there's a lot of Alex Lees out there, so (laughs) he has to stand out. (laughs) Wasn't he in Rush? Uh, That's Getty Lee. That's Getty Lee, I'm sorry. Uh, Razavi allegedly handed out the cards, which listed Lee as a driver and contained contact information with a small Ziploc bag containing cocaine stapled to it. Hmm. Razavi was released from custody earlier this week and is scheduled for February 26th court appearance. So it was just a small, tiny little, like a little snort, a little toot, a little something to just, you know, kind of pick you up in your day. But if you had 50 bags, though... That's 50 Little Toots, which is the name of my new book. (laughs) 50 Little Toots. (laughs) I think think Don Johnson's daughter is going to star in the uh, movie version of that. 50 Little Toots. It'll be fun. I think she'll tank in the movie version, but, you know. Mm -hmm. I heard she's not nice. Really? Yeah. That's what I've heard. Hmm. She wasn't very nice to the uh, the guys from the Please Don't Destroy uh, video, you know, on SNL. Oh yeah. Do you see that? Do you see that bit on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Yeah. That was funny though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. I, a man. <laughs> <laughs> I bombed on that one too. <laughs> a man claims a higher power approved of his 1:20 a.m. trespassing. Can a higher power do that? I don't know. Hmm. 
Boy, if I had a higher power with me every time I got caught trespassing. After being arrested again for trespassing on the grounds of an Ohio library, a suspect explained to police that a higher power allowed him to be on the property at 1.20 a.m. Specifically... I like how you say arrested again. Yeah, again, yeah. <laughs> Evidently, his higher power goes with him everywhere. Mm-hmm. Carnell Gittens claimed he had checked with Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he did that. You got to check in with JC whenever you're going to be on somebody else's property. But it sounds like JC's giving him wrong advice. <laughs> yeah. Psst. Hey, Carnell, go ahead and do it. It's all right. Uh, and, 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 oh, he had checked with Christ and secured permission. So he answered back. Uh, according to a police report, 28-year-old Gittens was arrested early Saturday outside the public library in Sandusky, a city an hour outside of Cleveland. Gittens was using an exterior outlet to charge his phone, according to cops. <laughs> Who asks Jesus if they can plug in their phone? <laughs> mm. Gittens, who had twice previously been busted trespassing at the library, cited Christ when a patrolman asked what he was doing on the property. Maybe the maybe the patrolman was mistaken. What are you doing on the property? Jesus Christ, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> maybe that's how it went down. I'm just saying. Charged with criminal trespass, Gittens was booked into the Erie County Jail, where he remains locked up on $1,750 bond. Following a 2023 arrest, Gittens, who is nicknamed Cloud, told police he was from Canada and he's been wandering Ohio for the past year. By if the you're way, you're going to wander a state. Why Ohio? Nothing against Ohio. I lived in Cincinnati for like five years, but I would I would probably choose like a tropical state, someplace warm with the ocean. Not Sandusky, Ohio. I mean, you do have six flags there. Miracles happen in, in Ohio, Mallet. <clears throat> do you know what miracle I'm talking about? No. The one where the river starts on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, by the way, Jesus Christ couldn't be reached for comment for this article. Just so you I would think he'd... <laughs> We're like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Silence. That's it. I would think he'd stick up for Cloud. I don't know. That's just me, though. You know, he's his buddy. He's the one who gave him permission to use the outlet. But... Yeah, he was just busy taking the wheel for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> See? But oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it was a sympathy one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> We're heading to Alabama. 200-foot radio tower was stolen, Mally. Ooh. Eyewitness says he thought he saw it all. Except for the tower. Uh-huh. Was someone scrapping it, it? Yeah. We're going to Jasper, Alabama, where police are searching for the thieves who stole a 200-foot tall tower in Alabama and left a local AM radio station off the air. By the way, if you're going to steal a 200-foot tower... Uh-huh. Make sure it's turned off first. <laughs> <laughs> That's an engineering joke. Mm. Yeah, you're going to burn yourself to a crisp otherwise. 
uh, the general manager of WJLX, the Jlicks. Uh, the radio station where the tower was stolen said he learned about the theft on February 2nd when a maintenance crew arrived to clean up the property, only to find it completely cleared out by thieves. I've been trying all weekend to make sense of it, but I just can't. Dude, they Could still- you imagine? They're like, there's something different about this place. Well, I can't put my finger on it, but something's different. <laughs> Normally, there's birds flying into this thing and dying. That's... No, Bad joke. Uh, I've been involved in the radio business my whole life, and I've never heard of anything like this. I thought I'd seen it all, Brett Elmore said. When he called me on Friday and said the tower is gone, I couldn't believe it. I asked him if he was sure he was at the right place. He responded, the tower is gone. Wires are scattered everywhere, Elmore recalled. I don't know if you've ever seen snap guy wires just laying there but they're huge Uh uh-uh. yeah okay yeah the station asked the federal communications commission for permission to remain on fm air while they were rebuild the am radio operations but the fcc denied the request want to want to know why mally sure because fm is much more powerful than am mm. there's no way they'd let you do that this is a major setback for a small operation like ours, but I have faith that we will uncover the culprits. This is a federal crime, literally, and they will realize it wasn't worth it, Elmore said. The station has started a GoFundMe page to help with rebuilding. Of course they did. Police are investigating. So there you go. I wonder if they have security cameras, but it probably wouldn't be facing the tower because you'd think that no one would steal your tower. Well, yeah, nobody normally would. I mean, especially. <laughs> I mean, there's really not a good reason to steal a tower. Well, unless they wanted to scrap it. Especially. People are desperate. Especially an AM tower. You know? Mm-hmm. An FM tower, sure. This day and age. Well, even a radio tower in general. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I, they have a competitor on that AM station. Oh, you know what? You bring up a very good point, Mel. There could be somebody on a competing frequency that's trying to get in mm-hmm. that market, and they just decided they're gonna they're gonna take down the entire darn thing. You never know. Yeah. Good point, Mally. Good point. Let's move on, shall we? Yep. You know, uh, we just got done, as you pointed out uh, in the beginning of the program, that Super Bowl Sunday has came and went. And with mm-hmm. it, a lot of food comas. Yes. I and got, a lot of diets are starting tomorrow. <laughs> that's right. A lot of diets have already started. I got to ask you, what do you think was the number one food consumed at Super Bowl parties? I would say either pizza or like chicken wings. Aha! Chicken wings! Which brings up our next crime. Oh, a gang stole 145 tons of chicken in a bizarre heist of up to 55,000 birds. Eh. Yeah, I know, right? The thieves stole a massive 660 boxes of poultry while risking up to 20 years in prison for their crimes. A gang of 30 thieves risks up to 20 years behind bars for executing one of the rarest major heists of all time after stealing an outrageous 133 tons of chicken. 
You never want to have more than like five people in a heist because someone's going to talk and get you caught. That's and you true. had 30? Yeah. yeah. That's not very smart. But then what are you going to do with all that chicken? Eat it. <laughs> That's a lot of chicken, though. That is, yeah. Well, I suppose if you turn around, you could probably turn around and wholesale it. Oh, true. Yeah. The, Sell it on the black market. Yep, that's true. Yeah. The chicken was stolen from a state-owned facility in Havana, the capital city of Cuba, as the thieves made away with 1,660 boxes full of poultry. Have you ever had the Cuban chicken? No. Oh, it's wonderful. We have a roasted chicken place here in town. You know, that's pretty good. Cuban chicken has no, uh, it has no um, hormones. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then they tried to peddle the stolen goods on the street in order to buy a variety of luxury items, including laptops, televisions, refrigerators, and air conditioners. See, that's where you get in trouble. <laughs> that's true. Although authorities haven't specified the exact date of the chicken theft, they suspect it occurred between the hours of midnight and 2 a.m. This timing coincided with detected temperature irregularities within the cold storage facility. Video surveillance footage captured trucks ferrying the stolen chicken off-site. Oh, they have a picture of chicken in here. It's so, it looks so good. Among the uh, implicated in the crime are shift supervisors, IT personnel, security guards, and external individuals not directly affiliated with the company. Boy, it was conspiracy chicken theft. <laughs> they had a whole crew. The chicken, the great chicken conspiracy. That was a Nancy Drew novel. <laughs> their enormous foot equated to an estimated 33,000 to 53,000 chickens based on the average weight of a hen it says here Rigoberto Mustelier director of the government food distributor distributor <laughs> distributor <laughs> good god the uh, director of the government food distributor Kopmar lamented that the stolen quantity represented a month's worth of chicken rations for an entire average-sized province. Wow. Ooh, I bet the punishment is harsher there, too, in Havana. Oh, yeah. The incident unfolded against the backdrop of a profound economic crisis in Cuba where the availability of chicken via the ration book system has dwindled significantly in recent years. The system implemented after Fidel Castro's 1959 revolution aimed to provide subsidized staples to all citizens. However, scarcities of food, fuel, and medicines have plagued the country, leaving many to seek alternative means uh cuba's heavy reliance on food and fuel imports coupled with a sharp decline in revenue exacerbated by the covid19 pandemic and stringent u.s sanctions has further compounded the issue the tourism sector once a vital source of income for the nation has also suffered a decline so evidently their super bowl sunday was chickenless <laughs> just saying Two more stories left for Dumb Crime Stupid Criminals today, Mally. Okie doke. This next one, an unusual one. All right. We go to a Lowe's in Cape Coral, Florida, where the suspect is clad in Cookie Monster pajamas. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Surprised they're not in Michigan. I feel like everywhere I go, someone's wearing pajamas there. Right? Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. What is it with people wearing pajamas? Lately? I don't know. It's so sloppy looking. I know it is, isn't it? Uh, the Cape Coral Police Department is asking for your help with finding two suspects who robbed a Lowe's on Pine Island Road. The police department released photos of a man and woman in matching Cookie Monster pajamas. Oh, isn't that cute? Uh, who tried to leave the store with items without paying on Sunday. When they stopped, the man revealed a gun in his waistband. That's if it would stay there. <laughs> And threatened the loss prevention officer. Then they left the store. <laughs> Did he have to do the voice? You know, the Cookie Monster voice when he... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, an active search is underway for the suspects. A helicopter was spotted circling parts of Cape Coral. Uh, evidently looking for the people in Cookie Monster pajamas. If you have any information on the whereabouts, please contact the Cape Coral Police Department. Uh, when you do contact attack them and, and tell them where they are bring the milk <laughs> you know it's cookie monster mm-hmm. just saying uh, the police warn that you should keep your distance from the pair if you spot them because they are potentially armed and delicious oh jeez yeah I feel like shoplifting has increased so much that they are just so I not what word do I want to use? How they're not afraid anymore. They go in there, even like high-end stores, they just go in and steal it because a lot of people are told not to prevent the the theft. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they just go in, steal everything, and just leave. Except for Target. They're getting strict. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. She's noticeable. People have got to know who this lady is. That's a great picture. <laughs> it is, yeah. She's, she's right there in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Target is actually shutting down stores, and they're blaming it on theft. Yep. Retail theft. So. Not surprised. Well, that one doctor just got arrested for shoplifting at Target. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, wasn't she, like, head of something in New Mexico, like the University of New Mexico? Yes, yep. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's... And, you know, it started with the flash mobs and it started yes. with flash mobs coming in and just removing a ton of merchandise out of stores. Mm-hmm. And then now it's it's getting to just people walking in and brazenly taking what they want. And right. Big items at that. Yes. Yes. And then, Walmart. Yeah. Wa- um, have you ever watched videos of like Walmart people stealing them? And you'll have like bystanders bystander yeah bystanders making fun of the people trying to steal like they do commentary <laughs> yes yeah like someone loses a shoe and they're like damn she's got back for her shoe <laughs> <laughs> and she's got like a big screen tv and she's trying to shove it in the car and the car's sticking off without her <laughs> <laughs> freaking yes. love those they enter they entertain me they are the best mm-hmm Finally, today on Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals, yes, we have no no safe-for-work stories today, although this is probably the closest we're going to get today, Mally. Okay. We're dealing with dog urine today. Eh. Sorry, I know you deal with it every day, but, <laughs> but we're dealing with it today on Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals. A dog urine row erupts after police staff member tells the owner to clean it up. A row or a fight has erupted after a police staff member was said to have ordered a man to clean up his pet's dog urine or his pet dog urine, his pet dog's urine. (laughs) I'll get it. Not the urine, but I'll get it. 56-year-old Steve Sherman 
was walking his six-year-old pet Saluki rescue dog, Margo, through Bournemouth's main square last week when she cocked her leg to relieve herself. I do that as well. I cock my leg to relieve myself. If you know what I mean. so. As the NHS worker walked off, he claims an aggressive female member of the Dorset police shouted at him. You ready for this? This is from an actual police officer. Clear your effing dog piss. It's a brave community officer. He said when challenged when he challenged her, a community council safety patrol officer allegedly threatened to have him arrested if he did not move on. Dorset Police and Bournemouth Council had a stall and van in the Seaside Town Center as part of a day of action after several high-profile crimes, including a fatal stabbing in the area. Mr. Sherman said he would have cleaned up any dog mess, but he did not know what they expected him to do with dog urine. Was it outside or inside? It was outside. Well, what are you, you can't really to... do anything outside. Yeah, what are you supposed to do with that? Right, unless you grab like a cup of water and you kind of dilute it but other than that you can't really do anything right he has reported the incident to the dorset police complaints department which is looking into the full circumstances mr sherman uh, said the woman got really aggressive and was waving her hands around and putting her hands on her hips saying it was disgusting he claimed he was asking for an apology from two community safety officers one of whom allegedly told him he'd be arrested if he didn't leave Bournemouth uh, Council spokesperson said our community safety officers were only involved in this incident in an effort to de-escalate the situation and seek a resolution for the gentlemen involved. They acted with politeness and a calm manner throughout. None of our staff heard the police staff members swear as is alleged. Did the did she think maybe the dog did? Number two and not number one. Because sometimes it's hard to tell at first with dogs when yeah. they're squatting. Yeah. So maybe she thought, she thought it was the other one. I think you're right. I think maybe that's what <laughs> happened. A Dorset police spokesperson said all relevant lines of proportionate inquiry will be assessed to establish exactly what happened. And it would be inappropriate to comment further at this time. Although I hear the entire council got together and said, hey, just clean your shit up. That's what they said there. Uh, but that'll do it. That's uh, Doug, Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals for this week. Mally, what you got going on? I have to bake Valentine cookies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep, I've got to pass them out to my neighbors. I've got this one lady who I just love. And unfortunately, her husband passed away a couple years ago. So Derek and I try and take care of her. Mm -hmm. But I swear to God, that girl is quick when the garbage can people come because she keeps taking my garbage can and putting it aside next to my house. Yep. And I'm always trying to do her garbage can because I don't want her going up and down the stairs a lot yeah and she she got to it first today so i gotta bake her some cookies to say oh. thank you oh that's nice yeah 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 big big uh big holiday here valentine's day mm -hmm. i'm not a big believer because i in valentine's like i could take it or leave it but i do like cookies so we're gonna make some cookies uh you know i'm I'm not opposed to Valentine's Day. I mean, whether you have somebody or you don't have somebody, I believe in flashing everybody who comes by you. I mean, it's just, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm kidding. I just think it's overrated. I don't know. I am a romantic person because I sound like I'm not. But I just, with that, 
every day should be Valentine's. It shouldn't be just one day where you well, give, sure, sure. you know, roses and you go out to dinner. Like everyone does the same thing over and over again. See, okay, now I'm going to call time out on this real quick. Okay. I, and I, I get what you're saying here, but I, I'm, I'm a little opposed to the people who say, I mean, not what you're saying, the way uh-huh. you're saying it right now, but the people who are like, I don't like this holiday at all. Um, those are the people who I find will either pinch pennies uh-huh. or they, they, they're just opposed to showing any affection whatsoever. Those are, oh. those, but I'm not saying you are, I'm just, no, saying, no, I no, I understand your point of view. Right. But, but, um, but I, I understand why you're saying it, but because yes, you should be showing affection to your, your mate all year round, or you should be doing little things for them all year round. It shouldn't be mm-hmm. a one day a year thing. Right. And I understand the commercialism of it can be a little sickening. Right. You know, it, it's, that's, you know, you shouldn't, you know. You shouldn't pour it on. You shouldn't be love bombing one one day a year and then backing off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't be love bombing three hundred sixty five days a year. You know you what? should. I like being love bombed three hundred sixty five days a year. <laughs> well, some women. I like get, attention. Some, I like things. <laughs> some women get creeped out by it. Al, I don't know. I've, well, if you do it in a nice way and not a creepy way. <laughs> well, what's okay? Wait a minute. Time out. What's the difference between nice and creepy? Well, creepy is it, like is it the way the guy flee. looks? No, just okay. There's a there's a nice balance of being really clingy and icky and like in all up in your business every freaking day and just kind of like, oh, I love you. I'm just gonna buy you flowers just because, or I'm gonna buy you your pint of ice cream just because. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that stuff rather than oh, it's Valentine's Day. I better be getting this, this, and this. You know, from my significant other, and if I don't, I'm gonna be mad. Well, when I say, when I say love bombing, I guess I mean like, um, well, like when, when somebody first, when you first start dating somebody, I mean, I had this discussion with a friend this week because you know who loves bar, who love bombs? Narcissists. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Narcissists love bomb. But, but so, so this buddy of mine, we were talking this week or this uh-huh. week, weekend, week, weekend. And he said, you know, he has a new girlfriend. Okay. And he's like, my girlfriend doesn't like it when I, when I try to give her money or my girlfriend doesn't like it when I, you know, when I, when I try to pay th- for things for her, or, you know, I want to take care of her. And I said, dude, you got to back off. I said, and he's like, why? I just, I want to take care of her. I, I love her. I want to take care of her. I said, but you're starting to do the love bomb thing. You're starting to you're starting to be forceful where you don't have to be. Just back off. But then you have women who are like, when you're asked to go on a date, they expect the gentleman to pay for everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you just can't win. You just got to fill out the situation. You do, but you know what? I I'm of a mind where. Maybe and maybe I'm old school, but as a guy, you should you should reach for the check first. Mm-hmm. But because it's just expect, I think it's just expected. If I think that's our generation, yeah. But I think if you're not if you're not reaching for it first, there's something wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> do you open doors for ladies? Yeah, that's good because some guys don't do that anymore. Or and pull out chairs. Mm-hmm. And then keep them there. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, but yeah, yeah. Why not? I, I mean, why not? Yeah. Well, you know, 
yeah, although I do get, sometimes I get looks, though, when I when I hold open a door. Kind of like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> oh, I hold open doors for people, whether it be guys or girls. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> I think it's because I have this weird brace and tennis shoe on my uh, on my foot. They're, they're kind of like, aren't you handicapped? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing holding the door open? Um, yeah, I think I, that's the reason I get the weird look. Um, but no, I, I, I think... So, so I had to have a talk with this friend of mine. Like, you know, there's there's a there's a line. I don't know where that line is though. It's it's hard to tell somebody right. there's a line between healthy and unhealthy. But what does his girlfriend say? Does she like that he wants to take care of her? Because maybe she no. had to take care of herself with her previous relations relationships, or is she like, hey, dude, I can pay for myself. I can do this, this, and this. Because maybe she feels like she's. To, or that she's independent. She doesn't need it, you know, his she, help. She doesn't want him <clears throat> paying for for her, and she's told him. Okay. Well, then he needs to respect that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, at least not right now. I mean, she... Right. Yeah. So... Um, Save all that money that he would be spending on her, and then take her on a vacation in a couple of years. There you go. There you She'll go. She'll probably appreciate that. Exactly. There you go. So, yeah... And, Exactly. Great advice, Mally. Great advice. So it's this time of year gets tricky because as a guy, you you want to make a big show of it because you do love her. You do care about her. You want to show her how you feel and you want to take her to the best restaurant in town. You want to you want to have a dozen roses waiting on the table and you want to, you know, you want to do it up. You want to do it upright. You want to have somebody playing uh, an instrument in front of the table. You want to make a big show of it, you know. And and then, but you don't want to. You don't want to bring her to the table and then have her go. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. You're such right. A Right? This is uncomfortable. Or what if you just started dating? Like you've only been dating for like three or four weeks. It's like, okay, do we celebrate Valentine's or do we not? Because it's still a new relationship. You know what about that? Because sometimes like you don't start calling each other boyfriend, girlfriend, depends how serious you are mm -hmm. until like maybe two or three months into the relationship. So if you just start dating, it's like, what do you how do you celebrate the holiday? Because what if she goes all gung ho, like makes you brownies and buys you gifts and all this stuff and expects, you know, you to wine and dine her and you don't because you've only been dating like three or four weeks. Well, why wouldn't if you just started dating, why wouldn't you go out for the holiday? That's what I don't get. Well, probably because there's not nothing available. <laughs> well, no, the reservations I, I, are taken. <laughs> well, I, that's understandable. But but mm. even why wouldn't you like White Castles do the, like the coolest mm. thing? I, I shouldn't say the coolest thing, but um, but even like if you weren't able to get a reservation, you can go to a White Castle and you can sit down and uh, although I hate their food. Um, I know I'm going to get emails about that. Um, I mean, you could well, still. Well, you're not getting a sponsor. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sponsorship from them. <laughs> I mean, I love I their, their food. I mean, I love their food, Mally. It's <laughs> great when I have a colon blockage. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We actually we did have White Castle on the program at one time. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're at home sliders. They were delicious. You know, um, I think I read something where the U of M, University of Minnesota, did a study like in the like nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, where I think it was like a weight loss program or something that they did, where people that's all they ate was White Castles. Yeah, really? Yeah, I think some. Or I'm getting 
it mixed up, but I swear to God, it was something with the University of Minnesota did some type of study with White Castle. It's probably because they slide right through you. Um, <laughs> Nothing smells worse than the frickin' the morning after. Oh. oh my gosh, when we used to go on our investigations and we'd hit White Castles on our way back to the hotel, and then the next morning you go knocking on their door to, <laughs> to wake them up, and you're like, oh my God, oh. the wall of stench. You, you know, God, it was awful. You can smell that as you oh. describe it. You know that? Oh my there's, God! There's they would get like a suitcase full of burgers. Oh, <laughs> it's just like. Ah. There are certain things people can say in this lifetime. All they have Ugh. to do is just say it, and you can smell it in your nostrils, and it oh will never God. leave. Ugh. That's one of them. God, it's like the worst smell ever. Oh. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But anyways, so if you want to bond with your sweetie, um, yeah. White Castle does a thing where you, the, on Valentine's Day where you can take her out and totally repulse her and she'll leave you for another man. <laughs> um, but you can do it at White Castle. Um, there's there's always a, a spot there. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but there's always some place. There's always some place you can go. Hell, I think Denny's has a spot. I'd rather have a home-cooked meal, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's more romantic to me than a restaurant because anyone can go to a restaurant. Right, right. You can make, you can, she can make you a meal. You can make her a meal. Hell, mm -hmm. learn to cook, guys. It ain't that yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> or you can cheat and do takeout and make it look like you made it. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See? But yeah, I, I don't buy the, I don't buy the whole, you know, even if you're, even if you just started dating, there's there's still a reason to celebrate, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, I just I don't um, I don't see why you wouldn't. You know, if you, if you had feelings for one another, I don't see why you wouldn't. So, mm -hmm. even if it's just staying at home and just doing a quiet dinner, I mean, mm -hmm. I, it, I don't know. Hitting Walgreens the next day for your seventy five percent off candy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you go. That's that's a reason to celebrate right there. Yeah. Seventy five percent off candy right there. That's that's a reason. And the flowers celebrate. go back to normal price. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Those are the reasons to celebrate right there. I sound like I'm so cheap, but I'm really not. No. 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 <laughs> There's there's three times a year where candy is right at the price where it has to be after Christmas, after Halloween, and after Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And are, Easter. So oh, four times. Four times. Gotta have Easter. That's Cadbury right. eggs. By the way, I just noticed there's a picture on our last story. Oh, <laughs> look how cute that dog is. I know, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a little labradoodle? What is that? I have no idea, but it's cute. I don't know. It's a poodle, isn't it? I think it's a poodle. Yeah. It's a poodle doing its business. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm saying that as I'm talking about candy. Uh, <laughs> I have sick priorities. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Valentine's Day. So, are you going to post any recipes on the website? Um, there's a cocktail I'm looking at oh. about doing, and it's pink. So, I might post that. Right on. So, I have to get the ingredients. Right on, right on, right on. But I'm thinking so because I haven't drank for a while. So it's about time. Very cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. How about you? What What do you have coming up? Um, well, as you mentioned last week, uh, if you go to darknessradioshow.com, there's some updates on the website. Uh, there is um, not only links now for Potographs for Pooches for the event in May, uh, there's a link for... 
that was an odd noise I made. Um, <laughs> it sounded like I just killed a cricket with my lips. Uh-huh. Or you cracked your neck, one of the two. Yeah, or cracked my neck. Um, there's a link for uh, Michigan Paracon. There's a link for uh-huh. Michigan Paracon. Um, also, uh, I wrote a blog last week about Linda Maris, who is our guest on Thursday. Linda Maris is a psychic who channeled Lenny Bruce. Okay. What I did is I put up a blog with some videos of, of Lenny Bruce. And if you pick up the book that she wrote, it's, a, it's just a real s- small, short, compact book of her channelings of Lenny Bruce. Pick up the book, read the book, and then compare it to the speech patterns of Lenny Bruce in those videos. You'll find it astounding how similar they are. The, mm-hmm. the speech patterns of Lenny Bruce and what's put in the actual book, including some of the wordings that are used between the book and the videos. I think you'll find that they're very similar. So. Remind me again, who's Lenny Bruce? Lenny Bruce is the comedian that George Carlin and, and Richard Pryor cite as their uh, their influence for getting into comedy. Okay. Um, he was named the number three best comedian of all time by Comedy Central. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and Lenny Bruce is also cited is in um, many different songs. Uh, most famously, if remember the song "It's the End of the World as We Know It" mm-hmm. uh, by REM. Yeah, he cited it twice in that song. Oh. Yeah. You remember the line? Oh, and, yes. And Lenny now Bruce that it's going through my afraid. head. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sounded like one of the. Uh, Puppets. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's or in, Muppets, whatever his, they're called. Yeah, his name is in that song twice. Uh, he's in. His name is mentioned in Bob Dylan songs. His name is mentioned in um, many different artist songs. Um, but he's mainly known as a, uh, a free speech warrior. Oh. So yeah. Yep. Although he was also known as a very profane comic, he's one of the first uh, one of the first uh, comedians to be arrested on obscenity charges. Oh, okay. And he fought uh, he fought obscenity charges in front of the Supreme Court. In fact, uh, one of his cases went in front of the Supreme Court in front of uh, Justice Thurgood Marshall. Oh, so. So, and you can go back and you can listen to that show. It was last Thursday's show with Linda Maris, and you can uh, you can uh, compare and contrast. So, there you go. So, that, yeah, just kind of interesting. I wrote that blog uh, last week. I posted it on darknessradioshow.com. You can see some of those videos right there on the blog of Lenny Bruce, and you'll see what we're talking about. Um, I think that's it. But yeah, there's some new updates on darknessradioshow.com. I updated a bunch of stuff on the website there. Um, that's about it. Tomorrow on the show, Supernatural News, the return of Beer City Bruiser. Thursday on the show, we're talking Undersea Kingdoms. Ooh. Yeah. We've got all kinds of interesting surprises here this month, too. Very cool. Yeah. I got to, yeah, I got some things up my sleeve this month here now. Oh. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and I'm not talking about dog urine either. Ew. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Anywho, it's been a weird day. I'm feeling weird. Anyways, so uh-huh. that'll do it for the show today. I want to thank you so much for uh, filling in. Though. Appreciate. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad that uh, he's going to be back tomorrow. Yeah, Bruiser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, have Bruiser back tomorrow, and uh, we'll uh, we'll play some reindeer games. That's what we'll do tomorrow here on the big show so cool. uh, that'll do it uh, be sure to check out paranormalgirl.com and everything that Mally has to offer over there uh, we will uh, check out Bruiser tomorrow and uh, Supernatural News right here on the best in Paranormal Talk Radio you've been listening to the best in true crime programming right here on True Crime Tuesday <laughs>